Welcome to Empowered Leadership. We share candid conversations with successful leaders about what it takes to cultivate the leadership, life, and legacy you desire, and to do it with confidence, ease, and joy. I'm your host, Alexandra Reese. Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Season 1 of Empowered Leadership. I'm your host, Alexandra Reese, and I thought it would be fun and insightful to close out this season with a special episode to really reflect on the biggest insights from the first 15. So no guests today. It'll just be me sharing my answers to the question, what can one learn from comparing and contrasting the stories and insights of 15 exceptional leaders. Before we dive in, you should know that I'm taking the month of August off to rest, recharge, and step up from working in my business to working on my business, just as I advise my clients to do. I hope you'll create some space to do the same for yourself. I'll be back in September with a whole new season of Empowered Leadership, So I can't wait to see you then. And I would like to share now, I do have a couple exciting opportunities to partner both offline and on together if you're ready to take your leadership, life, and impact to the next level. So if you found these conversations inspiring and you're curious about how we might partner to unlock a new level of performance for you and your team, please reach out between now and September. I'd be happy to share a few fun updates of what's on the horizon and how you can get involved. Now, let's get down to business. So I'm going to share a few of my favorite insights as I reflected on the conversations, and I'll share a few episode references as we go. So if you want to do a deeper dive into these insights, you know where to go. So the first insight that I wanted to chat about is the role that persistent change and disruption has had on leadership. It has fundamentally changed the focus and the skills required to be a great leader. You know, leadership used to be about setting a clear vision, defining a clear strategy, and then enabling your team to execute. And the fact is the conditions today change too fast for that approach to work inflexible strategy and siloed execution and top-down management simply create too much rigidity and flexibility, which prevents organizations from really adapting and responding to change quickly enough. So as I talk to leaders over the course of the season, a few things I noticed are that leaders are responding to these new realities by really shifting the way they do strategy, to be more adaptive, putting more of a focus on innovation, and really setting the stage for empowering their teams to act, learn, and adapt with greater speed, ease, and confidence. And that's led to some pretty fundamental changes in how organizations today are structured and they operate. So if you're interested in how this insight is changing the nature of leadership, I'd encourage you to check out Maggie Kolkana's episode where we really dive deep on how persistent disruption and change are fundamentally transforming 
organizations, and the roles that leaders play. And we do a real deep dive into how to manage the future and the tool of scenario planning. I'd also invite you to dive into Craig Trames' episode. Craig, the former director of innovation at Adidas, really has a lot of great insights to offer about how you can make innovation a competitive advantage. And it all starts with putting the team first. Finally, I would recommend looking at Brian August's episode where he talks about how you can distribute power to facilitate speed. And we dive really deep into different decision-making frameworks and how you can flex the way you make decisions to be more responsive to the new realities of the world. All right. Insight number two, you know, the best leaders are enthusiastically relinquishing power to their employees. Leaders are intentionally shifting from centralized power, ownership, and decision-making to decentralized power, ownership, and decision-making. And they're doing so because they found from both the research and their own experience that doing so is really key to gaining speed, creating more value, and retaining high-quality people. That's because given the pace of change in the world, if you want to be able to act, learn, and adapt quickly, you have to empower the people who are closest to the change in their day-to-day work to be able to make decisions and pivot on the fly. It takes too long to run decisions up the flagpole and bottleneck things in leadership and have everyone pause and wait for a response. So you've got to decentralize power and ownership if you want to improve the speed and if you want to maintain value creation. And what we're finding that I found really interesting through both the research and my conversations is that more autonomy not only translates to better business outcomes in terms of performance, but it also translates to higher retention because high performers in today's world really crave that sense of ownership and autonomy over their work. If you want to dive more into this theme, I'd recommend checking out Chris Bayaki's episode, Maggie Kolkana's episode, or Brian August's episode for really interesting conversations about innovations and in organizational structures and how structure has become a way to really distribute power enable autonomy, and get those great outcomes we've been talking about. I'd also encourage you to listen to my conversation with Felicia Rivers, where we talk about the power of autonomy in talent retention. And Felicia is a talent acquisition and retention expert, so there's no better person to listen to for guidance on this topic. And finally, I'll recommend you check out my conversations with Andrew Brummer, Clark Quinn, and Omar Combs for other practices about how you can really enable your people to embrace ownership and be successful with autonomy. Because if you've got people who aren't comfortable operating in that environment, it's going to take some work to set expectations, develop them, and really reinforce those expectations and enable them to be successful. Those three have some great practices embedded throughout those conversations, right? Insight number three, you know, it's not surprising. We'll talk about this in insights three and four, that 
given the shift in focus among leaders toward empowering their team, that that's leading to a real renewed focus on how do we create the conditions for success with our team? So part one, and this gets to the third insight, is really a focus on driving individual performance through hyper-personalized growth and development. So the distribution of ownership within organizations really raises the stakes for individual retention and performance. You've got a lot more riding on each of your people if you're doing it right. And that necessitates a greater investment in growth and development. So we're really seeing organizations embrace that investment in their people so they can reap the benefits. And the fact is, is not only is it good for performance, but it's good for retention because high performers expect it. Growth and development, or the lack thereof, is a motivating factor for employees to stay or change organizations. So smart companies are really thinking about those investments, both from a performance and a retention perspective. And I think all of this is pretty probably standard practice for most of you listening. I'm sure your HR people have been talking to you a lot about growth and development. The thing I found really interesting as I reflected on all the conversations I've been having is really, for lack of a better word, the obsession with personalization. And you know, it reminds me a lot of the focus that we had on hyper-personalized customer experiences which started emerging in the early aughts and gained traction as we started really mastering the art of data-driven customer insights. And it's no surprise that that trend has carried over into the workplace with how we manage our people. You know, first, because our employees are also customers. So The expectations that they're shaping and their life as consumers are that the things that I get are going to be very personalized to me. And of course, those expectations are going to carry over into the workplace, right? And the second reason that it's no surprise to see this focus on hyper-personalization is that the needs of development have changed for a lot of people. You know, it used to be that a lot of growth and development was focused on hard skills, which often have a relatively consistent and linear development path. And now we're seeing a lot more emphasis on critical reasoning and soft skills, which often require a much more personalized growth and development path and resources like coaching or mentoring to really help people to figure out why do I show up the way I do today? And what are the things that I need to address or resolve or shift inside so that I can make those behavior changes with greater confidence and ease? And we've just scratched the surface of this insight. So if you want more information about how the hyper-personalization of growth and development is transforming the way leaders lead, I'd encourage you to listen to my conversations with Doug Hunter, Omar Combs, and Brian August. And all three of those, we really talk about not only the emergence and importance of this trend, but 
how that's getting put into practice in their own organizations. And there are a lot of good practices that I think would resonate with many of you who are listening. Insight number four. So I shared three and four are really going to be about how are leaders building organizations that are capable of delivering value in these new realities of the world. So if three was about the individual, four is really about the team. And at the team level, I'm still seeing leaders doubling down on a real focus on safety, trust, and belonging. And I think it's helpful to put this in context. And that context is that we saw a huge uptick from 2020 in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And if you read the Wall Street Journal or a lot of business periodicals, you likely have seen the news that we're starting to see big companies ramp back those investments. You know, their chief diversity officers are leaving. They're not necessarily backfilling those roles. They're ramping back the amount of money they're spending on those initiatives. And in that context, I think it's important to point out that among all the insights that we've talked about today, this one came up in all 15 of my conversations. Not one leader I spoke to isn't hyper-focused on safety, trust, and belonging within their team and their organization, which is just another way of framing what it means to create an inclusive organization. And so while the language people are using may change, the fact is it is as important today, if not more important than it was in 2021, 2020, 2019, and years before to really consider the question, how are we creating a workplace where everyone can come, bring, and contribute their unique gifts and skills and talents and feel like they're able to do so with the respect and camaraderie of a team that values them for who they are? And how can you create a team that has a diversity of perspectives, gifts, value contributions, et cetera, who's able to come together and wrestle with the real challenging problems and complexities of today, which often surface problems for which there are many possible answers, no one clear solution. And to do so, you really have to set that foundation of an environment where people have psychological safety, they have trust with one another, and they feel a sense of belonging, i.e. an inclusive environment, right? And so I think this insight is probably one of the most important. And it's critical to addressing the things we've talked about before in the insights, and it's critical to the things that will come. And if you're interested in exploring this insight more, we could have an entire season dedicated to it, but I'll invite you to look back at a few episodes in particular. Although it came up in all my episodes from this season, Felicia Rivers, the talent specialist, she has a great 101 on psychological safety in the workplace that's worth listening to in our conversation, my conversation with Mike Reese yield some really great stories and insights on how to create safety, trust, and belonging in times of crisis. 
And in organizations that may not be as accustomed to the language and practice of DEI. And then I'd encourage you to consider checking out Craig Trames and Jamie Waltz's episodes for really tangible guidance around how you can drive innovation, cultivate an environment where there's intellectual debate and productive conflict through doing this work with your team to create that safety, trust, and belonging. All right. So we're halfway through, a little over halfway, trailing into the back end of our insights from the first season into, I believe we're at number five. What I'd like to share here is now we're shifting back from what's the context in which leaders are operating into what does this mean for how leaders are approaching the role of leadership. And insight number five is all about the importance of how leaders carry themselves. Because the fact is, although the emphasis of where leaders are spending their time and energy has shifted toward the team, how they carry themselves and the emphasis they put on that has never been more important. That's because when you're talking about doing work like building relationships to personalize an employee's experience or creating psychological safety and belonging within a team. Those types of things really require a leader who is setting the tone, modeling the way, inviting and reinforcing the desired norms and behaviors they would like to see, and gently but firmly calling out when people cross a line, and then facilitating repair work. Because whenever we do this hard work as a team, we're going to sometimes step across the line. And what matters is not just that we did it. What matters more is how we repair after it. And a leader plays a critical role in making sure that that's happening. So it is imperative for leaders today to be very cognizant of Am I leading by example? Am I myself demonstrating that I am somebody with whom you can feel safe being your full self and expressing things that may feel challenging to express, like a dissenting opinion? Am I somebody who you feel you can trust? Am I somebody who demonstrates that you can trust by holding things as confidential? And am I somebody who promotes belonging in the way that I create space for voices to be heard, invite people into the conversation, and support an environment of healthy intellectual debate? And doing all that is very hard to do. And that's what makes it so important. And if you'd like to dive into this, What does it mean to carry yourself effectively as a leader today so that you can get those outcomes we talked about in those first few insights? I'd recommend listening to Tracy Hooper's conversation. Tracy Hooper, founder of The Confidence Project. There is no better expert to speak to on the topic of how to carry yourself with authentic confidence. And hint, vulnerability is part of that. So go listen to her episode. It's one of the best. I'd also invite you to listen to Craig Trames' episode where we spend the first portion of our conversation talking about the doing versus the being of leadership 
and what it means to really embody that being side, which is another way of saying carry yourself. And then I'd also invite you to listen to Jamie Waltz's and Mike Reese's episodes for discussions around really specific facets of carrying yourself, like how do you cultivate presence in the moment and how do you effectively communicate in different contexts? And then finally, I think there's some great insights from my conversation with Leanne Hughes around visibility as a leader and vulnerability and how you can use those hand in hand to really carry yourself in a way that sets the stage for your team to follow suit. For the sixth insight, this one won't be a surprise given number five, but it's really that the most successful leaders are a constant work in progress. If there's one meta insight you might draw from our conversation thus far, it's that the world and the context in which leaders operate has changed dramatically. And it will continue to change at a rapid pace. And that means that leaders need to be consistently revisiting their self-awareness. That is their understanding of who they are, how they're experiencing life, and how others are experiencing them so that they're able to align their intent with their impact and be most effective with their time. And they also need to consistently be evolving their leadership to meet the changing demands of the context around them and the organization they're in. And finally, to accomplish both of those, which is hard work, right? Change is difficult. Even if we love change, it takes a lot of energy. So the final thing that is integral to this insight is really the focus on taking care of oneself holistically to enable and sustain high performance. So something I observed from a number of the leaders that I spoke with was that they really do firmly believe and practice what we put into our body, how we move our body will determine how we perform as a leader. So you've got to be thinking about, am I nourishing myself with healthy foods, healthy thought, healthy external influences? Am I moving my body to process through what's happening, et cetera? And so this insight was interesting for me to explore in the sense that it was touched on by a lot of leaders in their conversations, but from a lot of different perspectives. So I have a few different recommendations here for episodes you might dive into if this interests you. I'll share Tim Winner. Brian August and Doug Hunter's conversations all have really great personal stories, powerful lessons, and practical insights for how you can develop self-awareness in your leadership. So if that aspect of this insight resonates with you, go check those three episodes out right away. I'd also invite you to check out a webinar that I just recorded today, this morning actually, on how to become a self-aware leader. It's posted on my YouTube. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it's got a really great definition for self-awareness, a quiz that you can take to gauge how self-aware am I and where are my blind spots. 
and then some really tangible practices that you can start doing today to raise your self-awareness. With respect to the sub-theme around the importance of evolving your leadership to meet the changing needs of your environment or your organization, I'd encourage you to listen to my conversations with Andrew Brummer, Tim Winner, and Doug Hunter. All three have led organizations through major transformations and so have really good insights on what it means to evolve your leadership to be successful. And then finally, I'll invite you to listen to my conversations with Leanne Hughes, Jamie Waltz, and Mike Reese on why and how leaders can really develop their whole selves so that they're doing the work in that enables them to do the work out. The final insight I'd like to share is more a meta insight or a reflection on all of the above. And that is that leadership today is really a paradox. And by that, I mean, leaders today have to grapple with what might feel like two very different ways of approaching the use of their focus, their time, and their energy. On one hand, they need to be hyper-focused and invested in themselves. We've talked about the importance. We just talked about it in our last few insights, how you carry yourself, how you're doing that work within yourself to raise awareness, evolve your leadership, and care for yourself, mind, body, and spirit. And they can't be successful in driving the results in the challenging context in which we all live and work today if they're not really dedicating an important share of their time, energy into that self, right? But on the same hand, leaders need to be hyper-focused on their team and what the needs of their team are. And in that sense, they need to be really pulling back from the self because when you're a leader, if you're trying to give your team ownership and autonomy, that means really giving them the rewards, the recognition for the accomplishments, and taking yourself out of it. I really like the way Andrew Brummer talked about leadership success today means I'm working myself out of a job or I become irrelevant. And it's such a, an interesting dichotomy to grapple with right? We have on one hand are so visible and need to be so focused on how we show up. And on the other hand, we want to be creating an environment where we're receding into the background. And I think this is just indicative, this paradox of the role our self plays and the orientation of leadership to ourselves. This paradox is just indicative of what has become the nature of leadership today, which is a range of paradoxes. And so with that, I invite you to celebrate how far you've come as a leader. And we're all leaders. I'm a firm believer that leadership is not a title. It's a calling. If you're listening to this, you're a leader. So celebrate how far you've come. Look forward I hope you can, from our conversation today and the 15 episodes to date, 
you can identify some opportunities for you to up-level your leadership life and impact. And then give yourself grace and give yourself space to get from where you are to where you want to go. If for no reason but the fact that leadership today is incredibly difficult. It's a lot of dichotomies and paradoxes that require us to be holding many different, often competing demands, priorities in our hands at the same time. So as part of giving yourself grace, I hope you're taking some time off this summer, just as I am to go and enjoy whatever in life brings you joy and fulfillment. And as I mentioned at the start of our call, please do reach out if you could use some support in your growth journey. I'm here and I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to share a few of the exciting things that are on the horizon starting this September. And if I don't hear from you, know that you can find me right here back in your podcast feed this September. I'll be back with another round of candid conversations with exceptional leaders about what it takes to build the leadership, life, and legacy you love, and to do it with confidence, ease, and joy. So thank you so much for joining me. Please do check out the show notes for resources. And last but not least, I would love to get your feedback to inform this fall's work, both on the podcast, but also and some of the other aspects of my offerings so that I can meet your unique needs. There's a really short survey. Please do take a few minutes to take it. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. Have a lovely day. To find out more on how you can improve your leadership, life, and impact with confidence, ease, and joy, please visit my website, opastrategy.com. That's O-P-A strategy.com. And then please make sure to search for Empowered Leadership wherever you get your podcasts and click to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. And if you enjoyed this one, please do share with a friend or a colleague. It makes a big difference. Thank you so much and have a lovely day.